Hello and welcome to the Rob Rousseau Show, the podcast. I'm Rob Rousseau. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. I've got a great episode coming up today with uh, Tyler Shipley, author of Canada in the World, Settler Capitalism and the Colonial Imagination. I spoke to Tyler the other day about where we are uh, in terms of the left in Canada after the election and whether we should be spending any more time and energy focusing on the NDP as the, the primary vehicle for political change in this country. Very, very interesting conversation. He's going to be joining the show in just a minute. Remember, if you do enjoy The Rob Rousseau Show, uh, please feel free to subscribe over on patreon.com slash Rob Rousseau. You can catch the live version of the show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on twitch.tv slash Rob Rousseau. That's from 12 to 4 Eastern Time. Remember also that TRRS is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, home to such other wonderful Canadian podcasts such as Alberta Advantage, Tech Won't Save Us with Paris Marx, uh, and the brand new podcast Take Back the Fight, Organizing Feminism for the Digital Age, hosted by Nora Loretto. So that's all for now. Please stay tuned for Tyler Shipley. I'm here. Hey, there you are. Okay. Welcome to this. Welcome to the stream. I'm happy you can come on. Thanks, man. Tyler is the the author of the book Canada in the World: Settler Capitalism and the Colonial Imagination. Um, someone you know i like to talk often about how canada is fake and that how canada is like a a bad place with a long history of doing really terrible awful things a terrible imperialist foreign policy um i like to try and dispel myths about what what canada is all about and tyler is the my go-to source for a lot of this stuff because he has the the historical knowledge that can back up my kind of just unhinged ranting that i that's what i bring to the table <laughs> and Tyler's more brings like the nitty, you know, the real, the real good stuff. I can get a little unhinged too. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Good. So Tyler, here's so the reason I wanted to uh, bring you on and get you in trouble <laughs> is this piece yeah. you just wrote in Canadian Dimension. Um, now, if everyone's probably aware that we just had an election here in Canada, an election that was like completely pointless and just a waste of everyone's time, where there were no real winners and only losers, including the all the political parties and us as well, the voters. And you wrote this piece uh, in response to this election, uh, I think summing up really well what a lot of people on the left in Canada have been talking about for what feels like decades now, um, but particularly you know since, since this election happened, um, to talk about the NDP. Tyler just wrote this piece in Canadian Dimension. The title of the piece is, Can We Really Fight for a Left Agenda Within the NDP? The side that is, we must recognize the limits of working within electoral parties to achieve progressive outcomes. Um, so, and again, a lot of probably a lot of the people that just rated this channel are Americans, and I think it's very it's a very kind of analogous struggle, right? Where you have these progressive demo, people in the Democratic Party, you have this kind of ongoing strategy of like let's continue to work within the Democratic Party to to elect progressives and try to ultimately kind of uh, wrestle control of the party away from the people that control it now. Um, right, it's kind of a similar it's kind of a similar strategy that that pe that uh, people have been advocating for now for quite a long time. Um, so, you want to just talk about this piece and um, what your feelings were after the election, and and what you wanted to kind of get get across when you wrote this piece in Canadian Dimension, which I'm going to link in the chat right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I waited until after the election was over because um, it's so hard to engage at all 
politically during a Canadian election cycle. I mean, it's true, I'm sure, of the U.S. as well, uh, and maybe even more so. But, you know, in, in Canada, um, as soon as it's election time, as soon as it even feels vaguely like it's election time, uh, everything you say is is like forced into the prism of the electoral you know, uh, system in the electoral parties. And so, you know, if I post something that's critical of Justin Trudeau, which I do all the time, I did before, I did during, I will continue to. Um, but, you know, if you do it during the election cycle, it's read as, oh, you know, you know does this mean you're supporting Aaron O'Toole? What, you're gonna, you want the yeah. conservatives to win? Um, you know, or, or potentially people would read it as support for the NDP. But even there, you know, in my case, it wouldn't be um, and so I didn't even I didn't even say anything about any of this during the election because there's so much um, it's so difficult to engage. And actually, at some level, I mean, come back to this later, maybe. But that's part of what I was getting at in the piece. Part of what I want to talk about was just how destructive I think politically um, the election cycle is. But I'll come back to that point. I mean, the, really, my the, the main thing that I was trying to argue in, in that piece was just that um, the NDP is a dead end. And, and at some point, we have to figure that out. At some point, we, we who want to do progressive things, we who want to fight for progressive things, um, need to ask ourselves whether pouring energy and resources into the NDP year after year after year, election after election, what's it accomplishing? And, and could those resources be more effective if they were put directly into the struggles we think the NDP might someday perhaps potentially give some amount of support to, right? Like, yeah. you know, do we, do we, do we, um, you know, fight immediately and on the ground around issues uh, to do with climate change? You know, do we fight um, the construction of pipelines? Do we fight logging companies? Do we, do we pour our resources into literally you know, fighting that fight, or do we pour our resources into hoping that we can get enough NDP candidates elected that they might, once in Parliament, you know, potentially support measures that would limit climate change? I mean, the caveats, right? As soon as you start going down that road, the caveats are so massive. Um, so, I mean, this is something that I've been, I've found frustrating for a long time. And I think with every passing election, um, I think it gets clearer to to more people that that this is a bit of a dead end. Yeah, and I do want to clarify too because this often comes up, and I like I always want to preface these kind of conversations by saying like, yeah, there's some like amazing activists that work within the NDP. There's even some great NDP MPs that I don't want to just like uh, completely you know dismiss like Leia Gazan and Nikki Ashton. And like, there's I can understand that like there is value like the, even in this election, which was overall terrible. You know, it, there is some some decent NDP MPs that are part of our parliamentary system, um, and, and like you know, I think that's that's something that can we can still sort of like agree is is an okay thing to have. Um, well, I, and you you could also say you know um, there are some really solid people. Uh, I mean, there are tons of really solid people um, in the NDP, uh, and even some of them, sure that that get to the level of of being candidates or even MPs. But the question is. What if those people's energy and resources and talents and and commitments, you know, were being put somewhere other than trying to get them elected? Yeah, well, this is you kind know, of what, what I wanted to what I wanted to get into next, which is just that regardless of like the people that are, you know, working from the ground up within the NDP um, or, you know, MPs, there does seem to be kind of like a power structure in place 
that's preventing these good MPs and activists from actually like making getting the NDP to do anything good. There's this real reluctance on the part of the party brass, including, in my opinion, like the leadership um, in, in Jagmeet Singh, who I think has like kind of sided repeatedly with the with the people who run the party over the the what the activists want and what the the more progressive members of the party want. Um, and that's really the issue, right? Is like no matter how much good work is being done. It, it it feels like it's been year after year of this, and there's still this like leadership element of the NDP that just doesn't has zero interest in really reorienting the party into going to this like more drastic, more radical direction that a lot of people are demanding, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it, it, there is this, and 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 you know, there's a strategy that the left sometimes uses. People call it uh, entryism. This idea that you as the left, you enter into something like the NDP or the Democratic Party in the US and and from inside you try to reorient it, right? You were sort of talking about that at the start, like this idea of like reorient it towards, you know, a more progressive line. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it works and I, and I certainly don't think it's working with respect to the NDP. The NDP has gotten um, more right wing in the last 20 years. Uh, you know, I mean, most people who who follow the NDP closely would say that the shift happens during the Layton era, um, that during Jack Layton's leadership, the party shifts to the right, um, which, you know, not coincidentally is also the moment where the NDP has a bit of a surge in, you know, it's sort of uh, appearance of electability. Yeah. Right. Because this it was basically also taking tries place to- during this kind of political vacuum when the liberal party basically collapsed and almost was completely uh, annihilated as a party. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and so the NDP kind of moves into that space and and, you know, and, and has some electoral success. But the question is, like, if you have to move to the right to have political success, then what what are we doing here? Like, what is the <laughs> yes. point? You know, is the assumption that the NDP would somehow would move to the right to gain electoral power and then once in power, it would shift back to the left? I mean, that's foolish. And also, you know, are we've seen that it doesn't happen when the NDP has taken power in um, provinces, which it has done, you know, relatively often and obviously most notably in BC and Alberta recently. Um, you know, it's it's not like it suddenly becomes a left wing utopia. It's not like all of a sudden progressive measures are being pushed through. I mean, quite the opposite. Yes, we we've seen in BC, we've seen the liberal the the NDP basically behave like like the liberals. Uh, in Alberta, you could argue they acted like conservatives. I mean, the embracing of the oil and gas industry by the Alberta NDP, like that's quite something to see. So yeah, and they're still not able to like completely divest themselves from these pipeline projects because of the they know and the provinces are never really going to get on board with that. So it left Jagmeet Singh in this no man's land where during the campaign he's trying to position himself as being better than the Liberals on climate, who have an abhorrent climate record. Um, but he still just can't say like, yes, I'm gonna, we're gonna cancel these pipeline projects. Yes, we're moving away from this. He can't even, he couldn't even say that. He was just repeatedly like dancing around this question in this like very bullshit kind of politician way, which just turns turns people off, especially with climate. Like that's the that's the that's becoming like the number one issue that so many people care about, particularly like younger people. Um, and because of all these contradictions, like within these provincial parties, they just can't be taken seriously, really. Even if you can look in their platform and see some pretty decent stuff, you can say, oh, that seems better than what the liberals are offering. It's like you still can't really take them seriously when they kind of make these claims. Yeah, it's incredible, right? I mean, it's it's self-defeating because, because precisely the people who would be drawn to 
a, you know, a potentially social democratic alternative, like what the NDP claims to be, it's precisely those people who watch. I, I think I know exactly the clip you mean where Jagmeet was asked point blank, would you cancel the Trans Mountain uh, project? And, and, and repeatedly wouldn't answer it like in a really you know cringe sort of way. Yeah. Like he just kept saying his line and it was just so awful to watch. And it's, it's things like that, that, that turn off precisely the people who would otherwise potentially be interested in a kind of social democratic alternative. Like, I don't mean to suggest that there isn't um, some value in social democracy. Like if the NDP was truly a social democratic project, um, you know, in the way that, say, Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party yeah. seemed like it could have been oriented, even the way that Bernie Sanders, you know, and the DSA at times in the Democratic Party seemed like it could potentially be, um, you know, there is some value in, in, in supporting those projects. But I don't see any of that in the NDP, and I don't see any will in the leadership of the NDP to let it become that. I mean, they're they're kind of forestalling that, you know, before it even gets to that point. So, yeah. well, you know, that's um, you, you talked about the like the the rightward drift of the party over the last couple of decades, and um, and you can kind of, you can kind of rationalize that and understand why that was happening in the context of the time. But like in the to me in the last six years, um, of of the the, the Donald Trump era and the Justin Trudeau era, there's just been really no excuse. Um, they, you know, the people that run the NDP can see as well as anybody the like excitement um, that was forming around people like Corbyn and Bernie Sanders. Like, it's really just a no-brainer to me to be like, why don't we just do a version of this um, that that would set us apart from the sort of Liberal Party? Um, there's such incredible energy from young people that I want to that really want to like fight for this kind of a solution. Um, and there's just been this steadfast refusal through all this time um, to really get on board with this. And it's like we've been through two election cycles now. Where they've made zero progress. I mean, that's the that's the amazing thing. It's like we have we have Trudeau. We can all see the diminishing returns of like what he offered versus what's actually happened when it comes to climate or housing or indigenous rights or any of these things. Um, we can all see this, and somehow the NDP just has not cap capitalized on this in any way whatsoever. I mean, their poll number, their polling has been like more or less steady the entire last five or six years. Uh, they've made zero, they've actually declined in terms of their representation in the parliamentary system. And that's, I think, the point that you're kind of getting at with this piece too, is just like, okay, well, like, what what are we supposed to do? And like, we can't just keep doing the same thing. Nothing is being accomplished. Um, you know, all these goals that we're, we really feel passionate about are becoming slipping through our fingers and seem even farther away than they were a couple of years ago. And, yeah, that's, and that's the frustration that we're all feeling right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and I think the other thing is, you know, the, the bigger question is, you know, do we really believe that that the things that we the, the really urgent problems we want to resolve, whether it's climate change, whether it's land back, you know, and, and you know, genuine um, uh, indigenous sovereignty struggles, not this reconciliation, you know, performance that happened yesterday, but like real uh, anti-colonial struggle, whether it's, you know, um, supporting the rights of uh, working people who have, you know, been systematically crushed over the last 30, 40 years, uh, you know, whether it's fighting back against the rise of fascism, which we're, we're witnessing, you know, visibly in this country in the last five to 10 years, any of these things that are really immediate and crucially important, and there's many others, you know, housing insecurity, you could just go on and on and on. Um, do we really think that the way to solve these things is 
by getting the NDP elected? Like, is that actually what we think is going to be the most effective tool in this in the fight for, for the, you know, around these problems? Because I don't. I mean, I never really have, but I especially don't right now. Um, I think you win those kinds of fights by fighting. You fight on the ground, you fight in the streets, you you pressure, you know, you you blockade, you know, you take direct action. There's a whole range of things that can actually get results. You know, you salt for, for unions, you support union drives, you you know, you you put your body on the line. There's so many ways that we can we can really meaningfully fight on a lot of these fronts. And then at, at which point, if you're doing that work, it doesn't really matter who's in office. It doesn't really matter whether it's a, an NDP or a liberal government or, or even a conservative government. They can be pushed too um, by, by really good mobilization, by, by really effective political direct action. And for me, that's where our energy should be going, you know, rather than, than this kind of hoping that the long way around of getting some NDP you know, building gradually the popularity of the NDP so that eventually they can form a government and then maybe they'll care about us and maybe they'll care about these concerns. I don't think they're ever going to. And and I just don't think that's how we're going to accomplish any of the things we want to accomplish. So, you know, when all of that energy gets thrown into yet another uh, electoral campaign and I watch people put their energy into it and get demoralized afterwards, um, you know, for me, it's like it, it's a shame that we believed in that in the first place, because otherwise we could have just continued doing the things we were already doing. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Sorry, I was, I was muted there for a sec. Um, no, and it's amazing in the context of what you're talking about, um, how after the election, like the reaction from, from Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP was like, we're going to continue to fight. We're going to continue to fight for all these things. But it's like, what? You're not doing that, though. That's the problem. Um, like their version of fighting has been like to like, you know, they've made a few throughout the course of this pandemic, for instance, they've made a few, they've kind of, they lobbed some softballs at the Liberal Party. Like, why don't you try giving people fund, funds during this uh, pandemic? You know, why don't we try these like moderate policies and then which the Liberal Party then like adopts as their own thing and passes and then takes all the credit for? Like, that's not really fighting though. Like, that's not really what that word means. And they're kind of acting like this is their role, but it's not really, it's not really going on uh, in reality. And like you're pointing out as well, it's like it, it, Ultimately, that's the that's the point when we talk about like the power that working people have. Um, you're right, though, that it doesn't really matter all that much who is in power if you can disrupt the like levers, if the the way that the economy functions, if you can like shut down, um, you know, with through direct actions and striking, can actually start affecting the economy with the way the economy functions. They they will listen, right? Regardless of who's in power, and they'll do it. They'll they'll do whatever they can to try and like. Uh, um, you know, uh, soften that, soft, and and get things back to running as normal. Um, yeah, and accommodate, and and yeah, exactly. you know, and I don't mean to suggest that like that it's exactly the same. I mean, I you know, I I'm I'm sure there's people who you know would hear what I said and be like, well, no, it's going to be you're going to have more success as an activist fighting against an NDP government than a conservative government, and that's probably true. But I I think the difference is much more marginal than most people realize. The NDP would love for us to believe that the gap is so massive and that if the NDP was in charge, then, you know, our activist work would be so much more effective. But um, I just think that the the difference is much more marginal. And and so for me, it then becomes like, is it worth our energy? You know, if if say, you know, fighting against, um, I don't know, police breaking up homeless encampments. If the struggle against 
um, you know, police breaking up uh, these homeless encampments is going to be slightly easier, you know, and there's going to be a slightly more receptive audience with the NDP in charge. Is it worth putting all of our energy into getting the NDP in charge or would our energy be better placed at just like building the networks of solidarity necessary that any time the police go to try to break up a homeless encampment, there is a massive, massive mobilization and people are ready and have tactics in place that they will be able to protect encampments. I mean, to me, the latter is going to be more effective. Um, and, you know, and, and it doesn't have to mean it doesn't have to be some kind of like, you know, oh, all the parties are all the same. They're all exactly the same. I mean, that's not quite what I'm arguing. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, for sure. I don't think I don't think anyone is getting that impression either. Like, um, no, it's not true. Um, but one one thing though that I I was shaking my head at through the final days of this election campaign, and one ways that frankly is as much as liberal partisans like to say how the NDP is like identical to the conservatives and stuff, which is not true. Like you're pointing out, one way they are the same is that over over the final couple of weeks of this campaign. Um, you had the NDP kind of joining with the conservatives to get to Justin Trudeau's right on this issue of like foreign policy and this new Cold War with China and trying to like position themselves like along with the conservatives as we're going to be even tougher. We're going to ratchet up tensions with China even more. We've got to get our two precious Michaels back and and Justin Trudeau is too caught up with this election uh, to get our, our beautiful boys back. Um and uh, we've got to be part of AUKUS. Why aren't? Why isn't Canada part of AUKUS? And you had Jagmeet Singh, like the leader of the NDP, in the final week of this campaign, asking these questions. And that really was a, a breaking point for me, honestly, where I was just like, I can't. Like, we can't keep doing this. Like, this is really, um, you know, it's unbecoming. It's like, yeah, it's it's awful. It's awful. And we did. Yeah. We never really talk about foreign policy in this country. And then we have our like, when when it comes up. When foreign policy does finally get comes up, there's all this great opportunity for the NDP, for example, to talk about all the ways that imper Canadian imperialism actually functions. Um, and instead, they're making this right wing argument, like advocating for more Cold War and more more tensions with our official enemy states and stuff. And it's just, oh, yeah. it's just a fucking mess. Oh, yeah. And that part kills me the most, as you can imagine. Right. Because that's my that's the stuff that I kind of deal yeah. with the most. And, and yeah, I mean, anytime anything happens in the world invariably, if you go and look at, you know, and, and whoever the NDP leader is, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're piling on Jagmeet right now because, you know, he's their sort of chosen chosen guy right now. But I mean, you know, when it was Mulcair, it was it was as bad or worse. Yeah, um, I saw I mean, Charlie Angus was tweeting about this the other day. He was supposed to be one of the left-wing members of the party, and he's making exactly. the exact same line. So I doubt it would be exactly. any different if he was in charge either. It's, it's not just about Jagmeet Singh as a person. Exactly, exactly. As a matter of fact, you know, Charlie Angus three or four times in the last few months has tweeted things that, that just left me absolutely just like livid that someone who who is proclaimed as the left of the party would make those sorts of arguments. And yeah, I mean, look, they're a ruling, they're, they're another faction of the ruling class, whether we, whether people want to accept that or not. I mean, I think that's what the NDP has become. Um, you know, I, this is anecdotal, but in my neighborhood, I, I know the people who support the NDP. There are some, some really solid working class people that support the NDP in this neighborhood. And then there's also a lot of pretty rich, like homeowning, you know, um, I don't know, it's anecdotal, but I just, I won't go down that road. I just I think we are misled about what the NDP is and yeah. what it could be. I don't think it's going to be the thing that people would want it to be. And, you know, and, and maybe this is actually a good time for me to segue into back to what I was saying at the start about just like the electoral process itself. Like, I, I think that 
one thing that um, we lose track of because we actually get so sucked into the, the, the partisan fights between these various parties and trying to parse out how are they different and, you know, when does the NDP slide to the right? When do the conservatives so, you know, appear to slide to the left because that was part of Aaron O'Toole's strategy was at times to try to stake out, you know, some some position on the left superficially. But still, that's, you know, they're playing these games with one another and with us. And for me, there's a moment where you, I think you have to step back and look at the whole thing and say, like, to what extent is this process itself um, kind of just just reinscribing or like or like underpinning? Um, the maintenance of the status quo in Canada. Yeah, legitimize. Um, yeah, to legitimize. That's actually the word I was looking for. To legitimize yeah. the the entire kind of Canadian apparatus, the entire Canadian system. You know, um, anytime Canada goes out in the world and lectures some other country about democracy, right? Every time Canada lectures Venezuela about its lack of democracy. Um, you know, which of course is nonsense and, and Canada recognizes as president of Venezuela, a guy who literally has never been elected uh, by the people of Venezuela to be the president, Juan Guaido. Yeah. Um, but when Canada goes out and, and makes these pronouncements about democracy around the world, why do people in this country listen? Why do people in this country believe it? Why do people buy it? Well, it's partly because of that electoral circus that we just went through, that process through which all of the parties give it legitimacy and, and, and including the left-wing parties, including the NDP, um, you know, and, and any party that participates in that, there's this kind of legitimacy that's built into it. And then when Canada can lecture people around the world about democracy, the assumption is, well, hey, we figured it out. Right? We just went through election. It was fair and square. And, you know, all the parties had their say and could stake out their position. And then the people voted. So I even just think the process itself can, and most people did often, not vote also. Is one well, thing that's that they just it. Neglect to mention. Yeah. 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 That's just it. It's like actually 40% of <laughs> this country didn't vote, um, you know, and, and, and I, I don't believe that's because 40% of the people that live here are just like lazy and stupid. Um, I think that's because 40% of the people here for one reason or another, you know, just don't think that it makes any difference. And, and can't be bothered because they don't think it makes any difference. Like, I think it's a passive boycott. It's not an active boycott. I don't want to suggest that 40% of the country was like, you know, to hell with this. Um, but it's a passive boycott in the sense that people just said it's not worth it. You know, it's, it doesn't make any difference. Well, and it's a, that this kind of uh, like passivity is kind of baked into our whole so like social and fabric, right? Because of the decades of sort of neoliberalization and atomization. And everyone is so just like beat down by the relentless day in, day out struggle to just like provide for their families and, you know, have a house over their head and have a roof over their head and be able to have these basic necessities that they, they, they just completely check out from this process. Yeah. And like, you're right. They actively notice how like not all that much changes regardless of who's in power for them. So why would I continue yeah. to, to participate in this? Yeah. Like at some level, who seriously believes that – you know, the NDP getting elected are going to and suddenly like their job is going to pay them more and and they're going to have and the rent is going to be cheaper and, you know, transportation will be cheaper. And, and like, who really believes that? I mean, outside of a core of NDP partisans and, and you know, people who have really sort of invested themselves in it, I don't think the average person believes that that's actually going to happen. Now, a lot of people are going to just vote for the NDP anyways, right, as 
the, the, the phrase that we sometimes hear, like as a form of harm reduction, you know, might as well vote for the NDP. It's better than not voting for them. Um, you know, we can talk about that if you want. But I, I just think the majority of people do not sincerely in their heart believe that it would really make any difference. And, and I don't think they're wrong. I mean, I, I think like I'm with them. I think they're right. And I think that's precisely the problem. And if the NDP wanted to mean anything, it would have to distinguish itself in some way and, and, and actually act with integrity and, 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 you know, commitment to principles, uh, which I don't, I don't see happening at any time soon, but yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of difference. Like if I lived in a place where I could vote for a, a Leia Gazan versus some like shitty conservative, yeah, I would probably go out and vote for a Leia Gazan. It's, it's good to have these folks in parliament, even if like, but ultimately that's the point is that as nice as it is to have a, some progressive uh, MPs in our political system, if ultimately the the basic structure of our the way our society works isn't really being changed in any way, it, it has to be it has to be at least be one part of a much broader strategy strategy, right? Um, I mean that's the thing that's the inescapable conclusion when you pay attention to Canadian politics for too long, which is that it's not even the polit- the politicians that run this country; it's the oil companies, the mining companies, the logging companies, and this kind of re- this that's all this country is, right? It's just a it's a bunch of resource extraction uh, monopolies that when we have this kind of like fake government so we can kind of pretend that we have some kind of democratic input into any of this stuff but as we as you pointed out like when the ndp rises to become um you know to it, to lead provincial governments in alberta and bc you're you see as clear as day that they're just as beholden to these private interests as all the other parties are and they might have a slightly different maybe nicer way of going about these things but ultimately, like the 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 ongoing process of land theft and resource extraction is just supposed to continue. That's the whole purpose of our of what this government is, right? And the yeah. NDP is a part of that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if I could, you know, take the take the raise hat off and put my Marxist cap on, I mean, like that's just what the state in capitalism is. And yeah. and you know, when when you look closely at at how states operate in capitalism, the state is the is the representation of the ruling class and the ruling class is the capitalists and the state exists to, um, you know, to best facilitate the needs of the capitalist class and, and, you know, to regulate them if that's going to help the system function more smoothly, you know, to help them uh, abroad, to make sure that, you know, um, it had the Canadian capital has access to resources in countries like Honduras or Haiti, you know, access to cheap labor, you know, whatever, to do whatever is necessary to help. And by the way, okay, like I don't even really need to put the Marxist hat on, like this is officially within Canadian state doctrine. You know, the the Harper government in 2013 released the Global Markets Action Plan, which was its foundational uh, sort of document around foreign policy, which explicitly stated, I won't, I can't remember the exact quote, but basically that all of the resources of the Canadian state would be marshaled in support of private capital. Like they just explicitly say it, you know, you don't need to actually go back to, you know, Miliband or, you know, whatever Marxist, like it's actually just explicitly stated. And, you know, the NDP is part of that. And I mean, the idea that the NDP is somehow outside of the apparatus of the Canadian uh, parliamentary system. I mean, the very fact that they participate, the very fact that they are constantly adapting to uh, the various dynamics, the very fact that Jagmeet Singh was open to a coalition government with the conservatives, which they, you know, which was indicated in that in that sort of last week or two of the election. Um, it's all it's just different flavors of the same shit. Uh, and um, and it shouldn't be a surprise. So to me, like, again, I don't want to be uncharitable, like, I do understand why people 
I do understand that there are good people in the NDP who are who are drawn to it because they want to make some kind of difference and because it it all feels really hopeless these days. Everything feels really bleak. It, sure, I, it know, sure does. Yeah. I haven't talked to you in a while, Rob. I don't know how you're how you're doing, but like <laughs> it feels bleak, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So I mean, you know, <laughs> the NDP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I I've been feeling it. Like it's. You know, there's a lot of reasons why everything feels really bleak and and supporting the NDP, it's there and it seems straightforward and it seems obvious. And you can say to yourself, well, yeah, I know the NDP is not going to change the world, but better to have the NDP than than the conservatives. So I'll just do this. Right. And it's something that you can do. And I get why people are drawn into that. And I, I really, you know, as I get a little bit older and a little bit more mature, I realize like I, I don't. I don't mean to be uncharitable when I disagree with people about the NDP. I do understand where they're coming from. I'm just at this stage, I'm really I'm asking people who've who've made that commitment over many years within the NDP, whether they feel like the investment has been worth it, whether they feel like they've actually accomplished what they wanted. And if not, then maybe it's time to say, you know what, that isn't going to work. That's not going to do it. Um, and let's focus outside of the parliamentary system. Yeah. Let's focus our energies on on pressuring it from the outside, because I I honestly just think that's going to be more effective, even even in the small struggles, but especially in the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing that makes you start asking yourself, what is to be done about this stuff? <laughs> right. So that is a, a great way to phrase the question. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, on that question, what is to be done? I think that the thing that I kind of keep going back to is you know a year and a half ago those Wet'suwet'en blockades that were blocking highways and blocking railway infrastructures and look at the way that our ruling class reacted to that after about two weeks of these kind of protests these blockades with it like really what comes down to like a couple hundred very dedicated people that were you know very inter very interested in completely paralyzing the country as much as possible um, you know that kind that kind of thing can be replicated with many more people. And that's the kind of thing that's going to make actual political change. Like that's the kind of thing. It's the only thing that the ruling class listens to. Um, and that I think is like the the way forward when it comes to like the way that we need to have these these fights. Or, you know, we look at our fucking our grocery store workers that that got a, a two dollar per hour hero bonus for like four months, despite clearly like doing performing one of the most important jobs in our whole society. Um, you know, what happens when our yeah. grocery store workers just stop showing up to work? Um, yep. Our whole society shuts down. It's it's almost like it's like working people that are the ones that have the power and not the people that were voting to go to to our parliament. Sometimes it feels like this. Wow, Rob, you're blowing my mind. What an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah. You mean to say that direct action gets the goods? It kind of feels like that way sometimes. Um, it's strange. Yeah. 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 Well, no, but I mean, no, of course. Like, I mean, I think this is the point, right? I mean, I think we've we get sucked into the hopelessness. And we get sucked into the idea that the best we can hope for, you know, is that we get a few progressive minded people uh, elected to parliament. And like, what a fucking low bar that is, yeah. you know, if that's the best we can do. And and I know that there's a lot of people that support the NDP who would say, look, I support the NDP and I also do the other stuff. And that's cool. That's that's great. Yeah. But I still I, I, I still would say that every ounce of energy that is put into volunteering with the campaigns, you know, uh, arguing on on Twitter, uh, you know, in support of an NDP candidate, retweeting things, you know, uh, making campaign donations, every single 
uh, aspect of the resources and energy that we put into the NDP. Just imagine if we took all of that and put it into these various different kinds of direct action, you know, get, you know, all of that energy into how do we, how do we get uh, Amazon factory workers, Amazon warehouse workers unionized, uh, right? Because I mean, you know, what a horrible job. I, that's the one that always comes to my mind because a lot of my students work at those warehouses. And so they tell me about how fuck just utterly messed up the, the, the place is. And, um, you know, how do we get those people unionized? That would be a, that would make an immediate difference. Probably that alone would make more difference than a lot of what the NDP has accomplished in a long time. I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I start to feel uncharitable again, but I, I just... I really just think that's where we need to put our energy. Yeah, put it into just, the fight. you know, I understand too. It's like that. It's it's kind of be upsetting to people, but it's like we have to have these conversations. It's been like I said, it's been a historic missed opportunity. Um, we're behind, like we're we're facing down all these really serious crises. This is the inescapable conclusion of a lot of this election campaign, and just nothing is really being done to do, to 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 fix these things. Um, yeah, and so and we, it's have getting to, we have to have these discussions, no matter whether, no matter how uncomfortable it makes some some people. We have to start figuring this shit out. Yeah, and it's getting like it's getting to the point, and and I I, I think you and I probably agree on this, and, and probably a lot of people are starting to kind of clue in too. Like this shit is urgent. Yes. It's getting it's getting really really bad. We are on the brink of a full fledged capitalist crisis. Um, we've just been through like one of the largest death events in in modern history. Um, and it's ongoing. Yeah, you know, so we have, it's, we're not even through it. I've seen we're comments not even in the chat it. about what's happening in Alberta right now, and it's like fucking exactly. like complete disaster. Yeah, yeah, we're on the we're we're you know we're we've got the rise of fascism. You know, it, it's like we can we're watching literally the rise of fascism. Um, you know, we're and and not just because of the PPC. I mean, they're a manifestation of it, but that's been building for ten years. Yes, um, and you know, they were just and, capturing and, that energy that was already there and it's still growing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, this stuff is urgent. Climate change is urgent. All of this is like we are running out of time. And, and you know, at best, getting an NDP government that could slow a little bit some of these processes. Like, is that even enough? Is that even good enough? And if not, then maybe that maybe maybe the whole idea, the whole premise of, you know, using the NDP as harm reduction, maybe that whole premise needs to be revisited. And, and we actually just need to start doing the, the, the much harder work of um, thinking bigger and thinking about more radical forms of change, you know, taking land back seriously as a demand rather than just a, you know, a catchphrase, but, but fighting with Indigenous people for Indigenous sovereignty uh, in this place, you know, as a, as a very real goal. Um, like, that's urgent. These things are really urgent. And uh, so, you know, again, I just think if, if, if we take those issues seriously, I think we have to try to push past the the daunting task of going beyond the NDP. I know it's daunting, but I think we, we have to because yeah. we are really running out of time on a lot of this. Yeah. Well, Tyler, I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time for coming on the program. Talk to all of us. Um, always a pleasure. Thanks, my Even friend. Thanks depressed. for asking me. And I hope, yeah. I hope uh, people aren't too mad about... What I had to say and, and the hat I'm wearing, please, again, if you came in late, I'm only wearing the hat because I'm so crushed inside by what's been going on. I'm just trying to hedge my bets. Yeah. You know, it's the future expos. So, yeah, I think we understand that. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, well, thanks again, Tyler. It was great to talk to you and we'll, we'll have you back sometime again soon. Sounds great, Rob. Thanks, All man. Right, take care. Bye bye. 
Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Rob Rousseau Show. If you want to support the show, you can do so on patreon.com slash robrousseau. Please also make sure you check out the Harbinger Media Network at harbingermedianetwork.com. TRRS airs live on Twitch three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to four. So if you enjoyed this show, please join the community over there and ask about the friendship triangle. That's all for now. This is your friend Rob Rousseau signing off. Take care. Bye.